You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Doolin, OBCA President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Vansel, Boys Basketball Coach at Beaverton High School. Coach, how are you doing today? Hey, Derek. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to, to chat with us. Uh, Coach, I want to start maybe for those people that uh, and coaches that aren't familiar with you. Uh, can you give us a little bit about your your background, uh, how you kind of got involved in coaching, and uh, how you ended up as the head boys basketball coach at Beaverton High School? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So I, uh, I grew up in Beaverton, born and raised. Um, I actually went to St. John Fisher Middle School where my mom was a secretary. Uh, and that's kind of where my love for basketball started. I kind of had a key to the gym there, so had access to get in there. And uh, my dad was a coach, coached my little brother and me all the way through middle school. And then uh, I went to Jesuit for three years, transferred to Beaverton High School my senior year. So I graduated from Beaverton in 2005, played football, basketball, and baseball all the way through high school. And then um, uh, basketball was always my favorite sport, but baseball was what I was best at. So I got a baseball scholarship uh, down to College of the Desert in uh, Palm Desert, California. I played two years down there, and then I got a, a scholarship to Bethany College in Lindsburg, Kansas, and uh, finished playing baseball out there for two years. And I did my student teaching to become a, a high school teacher, which I am a teacher now. Uh, but while I was doing that, my, my student teacher was a fellow named John Bella at Smoky Valley High School. He was the head basketball coach there, and I was on his staff, and I, I worked under him for about three months, and I kind of fell in love with his lifestyle and just um, being back in high school basketball. So after I finished up my education there, I came back to, to the Portland area. I got a teaching job at um, Holy Trinity, high, uh, Holy Trinity uh, Middle School elementary and middle school, and I was the PE teacher there for a year and a half, and I was teaching, or I was coaching at Beaverton High School, uh, freshman basketball and freshman baseball, and I just kind of got lucky. The job opened up, uh, the basketball job, and I threw my name in the hat. Um, I got a job teaching health and PE there, and um, they they liked what I did um, with the freshman teams there. They liked that I was an alumni from the area. And uh, they gave me a chance as a 27-year-old 20, to be a, a head coach in the Metro League. So um, I jumped at the opportunity. Um, you know, I've had, uh, I've had some success, some ups and downs, um, some great assistant coaches, some great parents. And um, I've really enjoyed uh, the seven seasons that I've had at Beaverton. So that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, how I ended up back at uh, my alma mater. Yeah, that's awesome. Coach, I want to uh, start by reflecting on last year a little bit, just because it was it was so unusual. Uh, one of the most unusual seasons, probably in Oregon sports history. I'm curious as to what are some key takeaways that you have from this last season and and managing the pandemic and doing you know felt like eight months of skill development and then finally being able to play uh, in May and June. Well. You know, I have found that kids are very resilient, and uh, they seem to handle, uh, you know, they handle losses better than coaches, and 
Um, we preach kind of hailing adversity and mental toughness um, throughout the throughout the season, and that was a big test last year for these kids. Um, so just I thought our kids and just around the state, around our league, were very resilient. They were patient. Um, whatever setbacks were thrown at them, I thought the coaches and kids handled it well. So I was proud of, of the fact the LSAA um, – you know, put on a, 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 a final tournament. They, they, they allowed the kids to play. And um, I thought uh, just to take a takeaway was just a resilient group of kids. Um, and just a great staff behind me that were able to help from my youth coaches down to, uh, all the way up to the high school high school coaches. Yeah. Yeah, as, as coaches, you know, we, we had to do a lot of kind of adapting and modifying to things we would do in a, a typical season. I'm curious, what were maybe some of the things that specifically that you did to adapt or modify uh, from typical a typical season? And is it, there anything maybe that you would move forward and continue to do? Well, we we did a lot of uh, of Zoom kind of Zoom basketball class early on when they weren't allowed to meet, and I had my youth kids and my high school kids all on that together, and that was a good experience just to share kind of basketball knowledge and um, kind of basketball homework with these kids, which was, which was interesting. And I got better at, with the online uh, aspect of it. And then, you know, playing, playing three games in a week was, uh, was a factor. So uh, just, just thinking about reps in practice, legs, your rotations, um, you know, how hard are you going to go in a drill or how long are you going to go compared to maybe a regular winter season when you're playing just a Tuesday, Friday um, that was definitely an adjustment last year. Um, but honestly, I, I just can't wait to get, get back to normal. And, uh, I know we have to uh, follow, um, you know, all, all of the laws and things we need to do to keep the kids safe. But um, it was, it was uh, definitely an adjustment. It felt like there was always something you had to do with either scouting or, or uh, coaching or uh, kids in the classroom or, or whatever the case may be, but it was definitely a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to talk to you, you know, you, like you mentioned in uh, your kind of bio at the beginning, you get the opportunity to, to come back and coach uh, where you played uh, your senior year. I'm curious, what what has that experience been like and, and what does that mean to you? Uh, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. You know, early on, my first few years, I felt a lot of pressure um, you know, you had some great coaches there in the past. Obviously, Nick Robertson being there with cast a big shadow, and then the coaches that came behind him. Um, but for me, growing up, my dad used to take me to either a, a Beaverton Jesuit or Wilson game every Tuesday or Friday when they were playing. So I got to see a lot of the great coaches in the PIL and the Metro League. I've been watching Metro League basketball my whole life. Um, I talk Metro League basketball with my friends still. A lot of Beaverton guys that graduated around my age. So um, I take a lot of pride in, in Beaverton basketball. I tell our kids they have a responsibility to represent um, not only themselves, but the program, our coaches, the administration, their, their, their classmates, 24-7. And that's a responsibility I think a lot of uh, our kids and, and parents take seriously. And um you know, I wouldn't want to be coaching anywhere else. I got lucky. I kind of got my dream job when I was 27. Um, and I love being at Beaverton. It's a diverse school. I get a lot of different uh, backgrounds. I get a lot of kids 
that um, have access to all sorts of camps and resources and kids that don't, but you still get a lot of talent from uh, the neighborhood. So the battle for me is, is keeping my youth kids at Beaverton and not um, going to Jesuit uh, or another one of the private schools where they may have that option. So um, that's been one of our challenges um, at Beaverton, but I love, I love Beaverton high school and, uh, I love the support I have from the alumni and ex-players and community members I've, I've been able to build relationships with. Yeah, what are some, you know, I'm just curious, like, you play, what are some traditions maybe that you've carried on or even some new traditions that you've started within the Beaverton basketball program? Yeah, good question. So uh, I would just say maintaining relationships with the youth. Um, I know a great tradition that um, I always liked as a player um, is we send our high school kids, our varsity players, to sit on the bench at least one weekend a year. We like to do it a couple weekends um, of our youth kids tournaments. And you send a couple of varsity kids to sit on the bench of a sixth grade game, seventh grade game, and, and you, you, you send them to every single youth game and throughout the tournament. Uh, <clears throat> we've gotten great feedback with that. We have um, – um, <laughs> we do a game called Semicircle the night before each each varsity game where it's a little shooting contest which has been take which has been going on at Beaverton since uh I think the early early eighties, late seventies. So that's kind of a cool tradition. Team dinners is something we found um has been great. The parents take pride in doing that and they're jumping up a bit to to do that at each team uh or each parent meeting at the start of each year. Um but just trying to trying to bridge a gap between the youth the high school and the alumni, keeping open communication, making it fun for our youth kids, um, keeping kids in the program, and then just teaching mental toughness, teaching kids to compete, teaching kids to play for their neighborhood, taking pride in, in Beaverton basketball. Um, and then my favorite part of, of being a high school coach, and especially at Beaverton, is having those alumni kids that come back see in the locker room that want to be a part of it that are texting you and want to know how you're doing, how the season's going to go. And, uh, I've, I've had a lot of that the last few years. So, uh, it's, it's an enjoyable gig. Yeah. You talk about, you know, mental toughness and, uh, you know, teaching kids to compete. Uh, that can be a challenge sometimes for coaches. And I think, you know, I'm sure you've, you've had that struggle at times as well. What, what are some specific things that you do to try to teach, mental toughness and, and competing? Good question. So, honestly, Derek, it's just something that I'm trying to drill in their head every day. Um, I'm having one-on-one -on -one meetings with kids, um, and I just think the little things matter. I, I really do. So, um, having expectations from when the class ends at 2.30, what's the, what's the uh, expectation for how they're taking the floor at, at 2.37? Uh, when they walk on the floor, how are they dressed? Are they in ankle braces? Are they, are they all in the same uh, practice uniform? Do they go to their consecutive seven shooting drill? Uh, what, are the, what are the expectations after practice? Are they getting their vitamin C? Are you having a team meeting? Are you doing scouting report? Uh, and what's the expectation on film? So I tell the kids, you know, they have to give something up when they play for Beaverton basketball. And uh, a lot of times we talk about, you know, you're going to have to give up going to parties and you're going to have to give up having sleepovers and going to your friends' houses on the weekends during the season. And you're going to have to give up some of those things where, what your friends get to do. Um, 
if, if you want to be a next level varsity 6A Metro League player. And my biggest thing is I'm trying to create an atmosphere where if a kid wants to play in college, they're going to get an experience that's going to prepare them for that. And, um, you know, with, with me and the program, we talk a lot about legacy. And this is not about, you know, the coaching staff or what we're doing. This is about your your legacy that you're going to leave behind. And uh, I think the kids have really bought into that. And each season um, I, I get a, a, a varsity photo framed, blown up, and, and I hang it in my office. And the kids, you know, as they go to the locker room, they like to come in and look at all the past players that have played at Beaverton. And, you know, I have a little thing that says their record, and they sign it. And those kids, well, they want to leave a good, they want to leave a good legacy with, with their photos. So um, just staying in touch with alumni, having them come back, all those things to me build mental toughness and, um, you know, having, having good work habits and practice habits, how, how hard you're going to work, how are you going to practice? Um, and, and I just tell the kids, if you have poor practices, you're going to have poor performances. So we don't believe in gamers. You got to earn your minutes and earn your time, uh, at practice and by creating a very competitive practice that to me creates mental toughness and, putting kids in pressure situations in practice builds mental toughness. And I tell the kids all the time, I'll never forget, I had a chance to go see Peyton Pritchard practice one time. Um, and it was the most competitive high school practice I've ever seen. It was a dogfight, every drill, every every rep. So um, I, I, try to, I try to create an atmosphere where kids can compete and really get after each other, but, but feel like at the end of the day, uh, when we go play somebody, it's it's – it's going to be very tough for them to score and to do what they want to do against us. You talked about, you know, those individual meetings, kind of check-ins. How often do you do those? And and maybe what, what is that conversation focused on? Each season is different. It's not like, Hey, I'm checking in with every kid every Tuesday. This is your set schedule. You know, I have not to name names, but I have kids, coming back this season that I text just about every day where when we're in school, they'll come into my office every day and we'll have a little chat. Hey, how you doing? How's mom? What's going on? You got the food you need. You got the clothes on your back, whatever it is that they might need. Some kids I'm meeting every day. Some kids, for example, like a Finn Barkinus, who's a 4.3 student who is in the weight room two, three times a day, who was a great senior for me last year, did everything right. You know, I, I might meet with him once a month because I just know he's an extension of the coaching staff. So I think as a coach, you have to put your energy. You only have so much energy and where you can direct that each day. And you got to know the kids that maybe maybe get nurtured a little bit more. And uh, But to be honest with you, I like to meet with, with my kids uh, quite often, quite often. So as a teacher in the building, it's it's pretty easy for me. And I can just grab kids during class, and I'm a PE teacher, so um, you know there's time during during the during gym where you might be able to grab a kid and wait, um, or up in yoga class and, and have a chat, or during lunch or prep or whatever the case is. Yeah. What do you hope? You know, a kid comes in as a freshman, Beaverton basketball player. He's going to be in your program for four years. What is it? You know, what are kind of maybe the standards or the pillars? of your program that you want him to leave as, as he graduates and, and moves on to the next level? And, and how do you make sure that, 
you maintain and that he meets those standards? Yeah, well, first off, we, we just believe in high character. High character kids win. And our first goal as a staff is trying to develop the kid's character. Um, and I think that's – you talk to any good coach, that's what their their main goal is. They want the kid to be a better person after being around you for that amount of time and um, being such an influential person. So I try to make, make sure the kids are developing their character. A big thing for me is, hey, you know, mental toughness. Bad things are going to happen in life. We're all going to have setbacks. Um, there's going to be people that – you know, are better than you at certain things at different parts of life. And you're going to have to be mentally tough and understand how to handle adversity. So that's something I'm preaching quite a bit in the program. But as far as the freshmen coming in, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on skill development. But I tell our freshmen, you know, we, we want kids that love the game, not like the game. And, you know, you hold the key to your development. So, you know, it's not about – how much time I'm necessarily going to spend with you one-on-one, even though I'm willing to do it. But, you know, the, I'm going to open the gym. I'm going to give you the opportunity. Are you going to put the time in before school? Are you going to find time to make yourself better? Are you going to lift the weights? Are you going to do the little things that separate yourself from these other kids that are trying to take your, trying to take your time, trying to take your minutes? So um, trying to develop kids' mindsets where they're mentally tough, they hold the key to their development, they want to work, they love the game, they want to be in the gym. Um, and then just teaching kids little things matter. You know, your grades, uh, getting, making sure you're doing the little things right, respecting your teachers, having a good reputation, representing Beaver basketball 24-7. And I just think it's really hard for kids that don't have high character to develop. And you look at the kids that have had a lot of success at Beaverton basketball the last eight seasons, those kids have high character. And, um uh, there's a reason for that, that they're, they're having success is, is they can um, manage responsibility and they manage their time. And, and that's what we're trying to teach these kids. And you get enough kids on board to do that. You can have a really, really great, great season and build a really great legacy. So that's the goal. Of even, um, we're trying to teach those invaluable lessons that make kids better people that are going to make you a good citizen, make you a good husband, make you a good worker. Um, and uh, and do that while teaching good basketball and, and hopefully winning some games and having some fun. So that's the goal. How do you deal with managing player expectations of, of playing time and, and, you know, getting theirs and, and really getting kids to, to buy into their roles? That's hard, especially now. And, you know, I was – not that long ago I was playing high school basketball, and it was hard back then in 2005. Um but as far as roles go, I think as a head coach, you have two major time periods where you can set expectations with your players and your parents, and that's your, your parent meeting at the start of the year and your banquet at the end of the year, right? And, um, you know, as far as setting your roles for your kids, I, I try to really beat it in their head that, you know, minutes are earned in practice. I don't believe in gamers. you got to bring it every single day and prove um, you know, you, you're not going to, you're not going to play if you turn the ball over in practice. If you haven't made a three in three weeks, you're not going to be out there shooting threes. Um, I have certain drills we do that set expectations for shooters, right? We do a, a, a two minute shooting threes drills where you got to shoot as many threes. You go to partner, one guy rebounds, one guy shoots. You got to make 20 to 24 threes in two minutes for four practices in a row. 
uh, to consider yourself a shooter. And so we did little things like that to try to set expectations. One-on-one meetings, like we talked about, having open communications with players. Um, for me, it's about communication with the player first, always. Um, and then just making each role important on your on your team. If you're carrying 10, 11, 12 guys, that's a challenge. And we talk a lot about starting your role. If you're the 10th, 11th, 12th guy and you're maybe on that second squad in practice and you're playing a lot of defensive reps, uh, you got to start in that role and you got to make us better. And the kids with high character that, that buy into it, uh, they make the program. And, uh, you know, I've had seasons where, like, for example, last season was a great, great, great group of kids, great practice group. We had dog fights. It was competitive as hell every single day. And that was, that that's what led to our success. And a lot of these kids got a lot better. And then I've had seasons where I'm begging the kids to compete. And we're, as a staff, we're, we're coming up with different ways to motivate kids in practice. So um, each year is a different challenge, and we've had better years than others, uh, you know, from being honest. But um, I, I just think having kids star in their role is important. Yeah. I want to follow up on, like, swing players. I'm assuming, you know, oftentimes, even at big schools, you still have kids that, you know, maybe you're going to play a quarter or two of JV and, and might be your 11th, 12th guy on, on the varsity roster you know, it's something I'll be honest. Personally, I've had trouble with sometimes because, you know, they, it's a kid that feels like they don't know what team they're on, right? They practice with one team, but they play with another team and, you know, just trying to buy into that role. I'm curious, you know, what do you kind of do with your swing players to, to really get them to, as you say, star in, in that role? Yeah, so last few years I've uh, I've experimented with, with varsity and JV with, with you know, how much we practice together. Um, and I'll do a lot of different sessions where I'll bring the JVs in and we'll work together, right? So we practice at the same time, but we have a main gym and a back gym, and there's just a hallway that separates us, so they can come in and out in 10 seconds, which is nice. Um, yeah. But as far as swingers go, you know, I usually will um, – I'll bring those kids up in a varsity practice for the most part, and they'll be with me for the majority of uh, varsity practice. And then I will give them certain time periods where they go into the JV gym and they're working with their JV coach and getting reps with maybe some, some sets or what they're going to do defensively or offensively. So it's, it's a challenge. Um, and I've had kids that have been better than others at accepting that role. But, um, like, for example, I had a kid last year that was uh, – I had a couple kids that were great at it. Uh, and and – they were they were bench heroes and they they came up and they were great motivators and they had a lot of energy on our varsity bench um, and then they just had great JV seasons and then they they came out this summer and they had great summers so I think you have a have, you have to have a positive attitude and um, and you can see that as a coach which kids have bought into their role and, and which kids haven't pretty easily but um, it is a challenge and you just need high character kids that uh, can accept that and I think you, you talk early with the parents at the parent meeting about being positive at home and, um, you know, making this a, a good experience and, and helping the coaching staff out as best they can, you know, even if they disagree with the decision, uh, trying to trying to be the best support they can. Absolutely. All right, good stuff, Coach. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from Coach Vansel right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast.
coaches as you prepare for the upcoming season, don't forget to renew your OBCA membership. Membership includes access to exclusive resources from high school coaches across the country, as well as access to Lucio Sports Technology, the same technology used by NBA franchises. Membership starts at just $15. Don't delay. Renew your OBCA membership today. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Andrew Vansel. Uh, Coach, you, you alluded to this a little bit in our, our first segment, but um, if I were to come watch, you know, you guys practice, uh, what are some things that I would see, hear, feel uh, as I as I watch you guys get after it? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I you'd see the kids come uh, come out of the locker room. They're, they'd be dressed the same. They'd have ankle braces on, shoes tied. Uh, I'm a believer, and I give the kids a water bottle at the start of the year. We put it in the same spot during practice, so you know we, we run over, we get our water real quick, and then we're back to uh, we're back to whatever it is we're doing. Um, you see, you know, each year I have a team manager, a student that you know I might have a PE class that wants to help out, and I'll give them some gear. And it's a kid that usually likes basketball, so they'll be sweeping the floor, clocks on, music's going. Kids will come out, and they have. Uh, consecutive sevens or form shooting that they'll do uh, before they do anything else, right? And then we'll do some quick little position work, get the blood flowing, and then it goes into um, kind of a stretch, a quick little stretch uh, warm-up. We slide the floor and then practice. For me, you know, I like to keep things short and crisp. So I usually will never stay in a drill more than four or five minutes. Um, but I like to go – you know, individual defense fundies, offensive fundies, um, whether that's rebounding, one on one closeouts, whatever that is, and then team offense, team defense situations. We try to put our kids um, in pressure situations in practice. That's a big thing for me. Um, as much pressure I can put on the kids in practice to simulate what the Metro League is going to throw at us, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and then really just trying to create drills that rep shots on our offense, create drills of what teams in the Metro are going to throw at us, what, what judges are going to throw at us, what's West are you going to throw, what are we going to see to go to Mountainside. So trying to create those situations for the kids um, is big for me. But but really never staying in a drill too long, and, and that's big for me. You know, sometimes as a coach you're kind of beating your head against the wall because you want something to work and you want to stand it, you want to stand it. But, but um, I try to keep practice fresh, keep energy high, and move uh, – quickly from, from drill to drill. And then when we get into team stuff, it's, a little, it's usually a little bit longer. Yeah. What, what are some things you do to, to create more of those pressure situations? Uh, good question. You know, I've experimented with some stuff this last season. Last season, I did, this is the first time I've done this. I brought my JV kids in, and it's almost like uh, you'd see at a football practice. I played for Fawson Riley, who's a great football coach. He used to do this at a football practice and. and I had uh, two sides of the floor was my JV defense. So I had five guys on one side, five guys on the other. And I just put my starting five offense out in the middle, and we would just attack both sides. And uh, we'd get – we'd rep 30 sets in a matter of 10 minutes live. And you'd have the JV kids fired up to, to guard the varsity guys, and they'd be going back. And obviously, you're just playing a half-court game, right? So you're, you're running a bunch of sets. That was a fun way to kind of incorporate – uh, JV's getting defensive reps and our varsity getting a lot of offensive reps. 
um, running our running our stuff. Um, but but really just um, I, I bring the JVs in. We run blitz every day in practice and and trying to just have everything competitive, keep score in every drill we do. Post our shooting stats, post our free throw stats, um, losers run in practice, things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a stats. I know. I know you're a, a big shot selection guy. You talked a little bit about little things, and 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 you know, I don't know if you would call it a shooter's license, but right, you have to make twenty to twenty four threes in a minute to be considered a shooter. Uh, I'm curious. You know, within shot selection, how do you how do you teach getting a great shot? Good question. Yeah. Um, to me, offense is ball security and shot selection. And at the high school level, you know, you might have one college player uh, a season if you're lucky, right? And so uh, we talk a lot about trading good shots for great shots. I'm a believer that inside-out basketball wins, whether that's a post-touch kick-out or a drive kick-out. I believe in inside-out basketball. And I just tell the kids, like, look, you know, at halftime – my best player better have the most shots and my second best player better have the second most shots. And if you can't buy into that and you don't understand that, uh, you're not going to buy playing for me. So um, it's pretty simple. High character kids get it. And kids that want to win will buy into it and they will buy into their role. And you've got to give kids the role, whether that's, Hey, you're going to be the best screener rebounder. Uh, you're going to be my defensive stopper. Like, for example, I had Finn Barkinus last year, and no offense to Finn, but was not a great shooter. But the kid was a defensive stopper, rebound great, did whatever we asked of him, and he was a second-team all-league kid, and uh, we had a lot of success with him. So um, I I would just say shot selection is is knowing what we want, having purpose. That's a word I use a lot in our practice and games is having purpose in everything we're running, knowing what we want to get, Knowing who our best players, who are our shooters, we want the ball. We want to get the ball inside out, and and having kids that understand that creates uh, a pretty good culture. And it's so far, it's it's been a winning culture for us, um, and, and that's what we work on. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to kind of your your shooter drill. Just uh, you know, for you know, so a lot of different coaches do different things. So if if I'm a if I'm a kid and I only make eighteen threes, uh, you know, in those four, I don't I don't quite hit the that benchmark that you set. If I'm in a game, your expectation of me then would be that I, I don't I'm not gonna shoot the ball unless I'm wide open or I'm not gonna shoot the ball at all, or what would that look like for me? So no, I you know, I don't have it's not like set in stone type mm-hmm. of, of uh of uh, a chart type of thing. But here's the deal, right? Every time we do the drill, and it's every day, we, we, there's not a day that goes by we don't do it or practice. And I'll do it multiple times in a practice, right? And so after mm-hmm. every time we do it, I have a run up to me, and every kid has to go around the circle and say their score, right? So you do this for 14 practices, and Johnny's over here, and Johnny says, I made seven, I made 11, I made 15, I made 12, I made 20, I made nine, I made three, I made five. All right, and then we get to our first game, and Somebody throws Johnny the ball in the corner, and he goes to shoot, and the whole bench goes, oh, my gosh, what's going on, right? <laughs> the kids, like, the kids the kids get it, right? And so the kids mm-hmm. know who the shooters are. 
every day when you're reporting, hey, I made 24, 25, 26. You know, I have a kid this year. I got a couple kids this year that are just knockdown shooters. Jordan Mesa, Brady Rice, to name a couple, and, and there's more in the program. Uh, but they're coming in, and they're, they're 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Uh, I had Nico Bevins. He's my all-time best. He he had 33 one time, which is the best we ever had, right? And so yeah. the kids hear that over and over. And then as a coach, you, you, you kind of react to those good scores. Oh, wow, like you get my fist bump. And you don't degrade any kid for bad scores, but it motivates kids. And then all of a sudden you got a kid. You know, I've had kids that are, are great, great football players, uh, great baseball players, and maybe basketball is their third sport. And they're great defenders. They're great rebounders, but they just haven't put the time in as shooters. And all of a sudden, you start doing this drill, and and next thing you know, they're in, they're at school at six thirty, six forty-five. They're working on that drill because they don't want they don't want to be saying, "Hey, I got ten, I got eleven. They're you know, competitive kids want to work at it, and so that's a great drill. I think it gets it gets it in kids' heads. Hey, that's our standard. And you know, if you're making eighteen, nineteen, twenty, 20 and you got to open three and you shoot the ball, hey. We expect you to make that thing if you shoot it, and, and we're going to support you on that. But if you're a kid who's making six, seven, eight, nine, and, and you haven't made a three in practice, and you're out there gunning threes, that's that's a problem for us. So it's it's just kind of a standard we try to set, you know. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, I want to talk about you know, coach. You you alluded a little bit to youth program and some of the things you do. You know, I think one of the toughest things we do as as head high school coaches is we're in charge of three or four teams at our school uh, and then we're running our youth program as, as well. So uh, what are some things that you do to, to kind of manage your time, you know, to ensure success for every team in your program? Yeah, great question. So um, the first thing I did when I got the job is um, I, I got a youth coordinator, right? Somebody in, in the community that was willing to put some time in um, and really be an asset for me to help get the youth kind of sparking going again. And that was Glenn Meehan early on, and that's transitioned to, Gr- to Greg and Jeff Rice. And these guys have been absolutely great for the program. You know, we've, we're doing youth clinics all the time. Um, my belief is your camp, your summer camp has to be top-notch. We take a lot of pride in trying to put on a top-notch camp, making it fun for the kids and uh, making that experience great, getting to know the kids, making sure our high school um, our high school kids are connected with our youth kids. Uh, we have youth nights at high school games where ki- the youth kids will come, and we'll have a youth student section. We'll do dilly bars in the back gym after games. Like I said earlier, really great thing we've done recently is sending our high school varsity players to go sit on the bench, even JV players, sit on the bench of your youth kids' games, um, and we'll do that a few tournaments dur- throughout the, the winter for the youth kids, making sure you're visible um, on Saturdays and Sundays, stopping into some youth games as a high school coach. Um, I think it's all really, really important. And then just being supportive and, and open up the locker room for those kids after games. And, you know, every now and then we'll, we'll have a youth night and they'll, they'll come to the locker room. Um, one thing that I, I took from Sherwood uh, that I really liked is, is we went over and played there a few years back and Raheem had all his um, youth kids, they were ball boys and they were sweeping the floor and they had mops and uh, it was a great it was a great thing he had going. So we've kind of adopted that and we've got some ball boys and sweepers and uh, but the big thing for me is clinics in the fall. We make those free and uh, we try to do those at least once or twice a week and that's been the big thing is connecting with those kids and just getting to know your youth. As a varsity coach, you got to know your youth kids 
Um, and that's important. So, uh, a big, the biggest challenge at Beaverton is, is keeping those kids at Beaverton and, and not losing them to Jesuit down the street, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yep. No, yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, how do you know if you're, you've had a good practice or, or a good game? Do you need any statistics or anything or is it by gut feeling? You know, how do you know that you've, you've performed well or your team's performed well? Yeah, no, I, I love um, what Huddle and Crossover have done a lot for us the last eight seasons. And, you know, I'm a younger coach, and I believe in analytics and all the numbers. But at the end of the day, I, it's, it's, working with high school kids, I try to simplify it. So, for me, you know, every game we have a team defensive goal. What are we going to hold them to? Um, and then I'll, I'll have individual defensive goals. And that's fun for me because, like, for example, a kid I've talked about or, or – like Finn last season or Trayvon, um, you know, I'll be talking about a kid from Jesuit or Westview two or three days before we play them, and I'll just get them kind of fired up, like, hey, this is your defensive goal, and he doesn't get more than seven tomorrow night. And, and we'll, we'll have that on the, on the whiteboard before the game, what our team D goals are, our individual goals for maybe two or three of their best players. Uh, we always have a turnover goal. Rick Ryer, who's an assistant for me, who's been coaching for 40 years, wonderful man. Um, he did a, a breakdown one year. This was in, I believe, the, the early 80s um, of state tournament teams. What was the average uh, assist totals for all the state tournament teams? And he, he had come to the conclusion that if you want to be in a state tournament, you got to get 10.5 turnovers or less. That's what you have to average. So that's been our goal since I've got to Beaverton. 10.5 is always a number we, we strive for. Um, and then obviously, for me, it's just winning the glass. Every game we want to win the glass. So those are the stats that I look at um, most. And then at halftime, um, I'm always looking at uh, has, has my best player taken the most shot, has my second best player taken the most shots, and then what is the three-pointers attempted for them individually and as a team. Um, and then I try to always make one adjustment defensively to take something away that they're doing. And that's kind of my goal and our staff's goal at halftime. And then as a head coach, it's my belief, you really have two main responsibilities. And then, you know, the rest, you just kind of hope your players go out and play hard and compete and they kind of pick things up at practice. But for me, you know, I, I believe zero transition. You know, I, I don't believe if you just can't let a team run down and just lay the ball in on you. And that starts with taking care of the basketball, taking good shots, not turn it over. Um, and then, you know, just – I don't believe you let a, 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 a good post beat you. So I, I believe you have to look, know how to double the post or how are you going to guard? Are you going to front it? Uh, you're going to three-quarter it? You're going to choke it? What, what's your strategy on the, on, on the post? So I tell the kids we're never going to let a good post beat us, um, you know, with how we're going to guard. And then the zero transition, that's your responsibility. And then just we got to rebound. So um, that's really how I look at a basketball game. And, um it's 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 worked so far. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. With your with your kind of, you know, total points goal, for example, will that change based on who you're playing or is it, hey, going into this season guys, you know, each game we're gonna hold them under fifty five? No, it'll it'll change. So okay. um the fun part about that is like, you know, in, in Metro we'll play the first time around and the second time around. So the second time we play a team our our goal is always one point lower than the first time we played them. So it's mm -hmm. that's an easy way to do it during the league. But, you know, early on, I'll look at 
you know, if we're going to play like Oswego, I'll look at the there's six or seven games they've played. What are they scoring? Are they around 55? Are they around 60, 70? What's their average? And, you know, we're going to try to hold them, you know, a good good amount underneath their average. And you just – you have to you have to make defense fun and you have to sell defense to kids. And it's my belief that kids, they like – you know, kids will buy in and they, they still like discipline. And it's not a bad – not in a bad way, but they want to take pride in, in their program and defense and shot selection. And I just see – I, I watch a lot of high school film and a lot of high school basketball. And my biggest knock is is just watching your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh guy off the bench go in there and jack bad shot after bad shot, and just it just drives me nuts. So that's something that you know I, I really take pride in, and, and the kids at Beaverton I think do a good job with. Yeah. How much time do you spend on on skill development? Uh, and, and what does that look like over the course of the entire school year? And, and what does that look like maybe in season? Yeah, I mean, in the fall, it's all I spend time on. It's all we do. Um, and then uh, during the season, you know, if I have an hour and 40-minute practice, I want to spend at least 20 to 30 minutes, 25 minutes on shooting at least. Um, and... Uh, I'd say the first 15, 20 minutes is on skill development, and then we'll get into some team stuff. But, um, you know, skill development, I, I that's a lot of the kids' responsibility too. You know, is the gym, we open it up at six 6.45 every morning, and kids can come in and, and get work. I, I have the shooting guns out every single day. And, um, you know, I had a college coach once say, uh, you know, when we practice as a team, that's that's our time to get better as a team. And then, all the individual time you have is, is your time to get better with your skill development and individual time. So we put a lot of emphasis on, on making sure the kids have access to get better in the gym. I have a great staff that um, – a couple teachers that, that work at the school that um, get kids in the gym as well. So that's a great thing about Beaverton. Um, the kids get a lot of reps, two shooting guns, a couple teachers on staff. So um, it's been a great – it's been a great experience to have uh, the assistance that I have. And you had mentioned, I think, earlier uh, that you still do like position-based skill development at times. So, do you, you have do you split kids into position groups and do they work on certain things, or, or uh, yeah, is it more absolutely. of a okay, okay? Because I know a lot of coaches are going to more of like a positionless um, style, right? So, yeah, you're yeah. teaching your young kids how to post up and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you know, so each year is different, obviously, right? And so right. this season we're gonna be we're gonna be more positionless. Because uh, we don't necessarily have a true big, but um, I still play one four uh, one four high, and you know we play four out one in. But the the thing about it is our our posts get to play a lot of um, they're in a lot of guard action. So um, I, I am a believer of of breaking kids down. You know I have point guards, I have wings, I have posts, uh, and kids multiple kids do both. I had a kid this summer who uh, played point guard uh, as a freshman and sophomore, he was playing the post for us, but we were playing, you know, five out and, and doing some different motion stuff. So, yeah, it really depends on your personnel, in my opinion. And I've changed every season. I've done a little bit stuff a little bit differently. And this upcoming season is going to be no different. So we'll be a little bit more positionless. But to answer your question, yeah, no, we'll still break down and work post-ups and we'll work, 
you know, wing wing shots that they'll get in their offense, and we'll work point guard injuries and, and the shots that they'll get in their offense. And I think that's important is breaking down the shots your kids are going to get in the offense that you run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Vance will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Coaches, save the date. The 2021 OACA OBCA Nike Basketball Coach of the Year Clinic will be held Friday, October 8th at Liberty High School. Also, plan to join us for the second annual OBCA Golf Tournament Saturday, October 9th at the OGA Golf Course in Woodburn. You can find more information at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Andrew Vansel. He's the boys basketball coach at Beaverton High School. Coach, for my next set of questions, uh, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer and ask you some rapid-fire questions that should have one- to two-word answers. Uh, And we're going to see how many questions we can get through in that 35 seconds. And then anything you want to elaborate on or go more in-depth on, we'll do that after the timer's up. Sound good? All right. Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) All righty. 35 seconds on the clock, and we are starting now. Do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? Yes. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity level? No. If you're up up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Depends on the situation, but uh, my mostly for me is no. Uh, what's your favorite way to guard on balls? Trap it. Do you think the three-point line should be moved back in high school? No. What's your favorite sports movie? Oh. <sighs> Sandlot. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Uh, intense. Intense. Time. Very good. Nice job. Nice job. Well done. Yeah. I see it. Coach, I rocked you to sleep there a little bit with the basketball questions, and then I went uh, sports movie and uh, officials on you. It was tough. It's tough. It was. I yeah. saved the, the, you got me. I saved you got the hard hitting ones for the, for the end. I had a lot of good movies go through my head there. I don't know if I picked yeah. the right one, but we'll roll with yeah. we'll roll with Benny, Benny the Jet Rodriguez there. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, you know, Coach, we call it the shot clock segment um, because it's, you know, fun, rapid-fire uh, questions. Uh, but also, you know, as you're well aware, I'm sure, you know, the shot clock is a hot topic issue, uh, not only in the state of Oregon, but across the country. Uh, and, you know, there's talk that there might be a, a, a shot clock in the state of Oregon in the, in the coming years. Um, you, you mentioned you were in favor of the shot clock. Do you, you want to elaborate on why that is? Yeah, so I'll just be honest. You know, I'm not super passionate about it. I, I think it's the right move. I think the game of basketball was was meant to be uh, more up and down. And, you know, I'm guilty as anybody is taking advantage of, um, you know, milking clock maybe in the fourth quarter or holding a little bit. Um, but, you know, you do look at the scores in the state of Oregon and, you know, you see scores in the 60s and 70s and 80s every single night, right? And so it impacts it impacts in the quarters, late game situations quite a bit. 
um, and teams start fouling early. But um, if the resources are there, the money's there, and you have somebody willing to run it, uh, I don't see why you wouldn't. It prepares the kids for the next level better. It makes a better product. In the games, you're going to stop the worst part of basketball, which is which is the holding and stalling. And um, uh, I don't blame coaches for taking advantage of the rule, the rule and, and playing the game that way. I do it. Um, I think it's smart. I think you're silly not to. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think implementing the shot clock would produce a better product in the state. And I just think it's it's time. Yeah. Yeah. I want to follow up with the you know up three left. Uh, than 10 seconds, I think, you know, I, I've heard a lot of coaches, you know, they answer, well, it depends on the situation. So uh, I'm curious, you know, in what situations would you foul and in which cases would you not? So, you know, I just, if I have a timeout and I have my team and I can talk to them and I can clearly, clearly state the situation and what I want to do, because you're dealing with 15, 16, and 17-year-olds now, right? So, <laughs> like, if it's a, if they're at a free throw and you're trying to tell everybody, hey, we're going to foul, and what's the situation, and the kid goes and jacks a half four shot, and your kid grabs him, and he gets three free throws, right? I mean, to me, that's right. the worst case scenario. So um, I, I just – if I want to make sure I have my kids in a timeout situation. I have smart kids on the floor. We know exactly what we're doing. We're in the right defense, um, and the, the kids are on the same page. So that's that's my major my major concern is, is – Somebody making a, a dumb decision at the wrong time with that. For sure, yeah. Well, and as you know, sometimes even in the timeout, it doesn't always go. Uh, get stuck into their brain, also. So yeah, we've luckily all seen I that haven't. High school coaches. Yeah, for sure. Luckily, I I haven't been in that situation uh, uh, too often and haven't been burned with that. So uh, right, yeah. We'll see how it goes in the future. Yeah. Uh, what's Maybe one or a couple of the strangest things that you've ever seen in a in a basketball gym. Strangest thing I've ever seen in a basketball gym. You know, I'm a, I'm a PE teacher, so I spend a lot of time at Beaverton. A lot of time in the gym. Uh, yeah. <laughs> strangest thing I. This is kind of a maybe different direction, but when I was uh, a senior at Beaverton. We were in the Les Schwab Invitational, and we beat a good South Eugene team in the first round. And we got matched up with this program called Oak Hill Academy. I'm not sure if you heard of them. And I had to guard this guy named Kevin Durant. And when I had to, like, look at that guy and try to stay in front of him, that was probably the strangest thing I've ever seen in a court because it was, it was just not a human. It was very difficult to do anything. So that's my answer, Kevin Durant. Yeah, uh, just a just a, a wonderful player, and uh, I had a I was lucky enough to be on the be in the same court as him. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I probably were were yelling help quite a quite a bit that game. I would assume. Well, <laughs> you know, here's a, here's here's kind of a funny story. I was a young I was a young coach. I had a good team my second year, and we got invited to go play in the Les Schwab, and so we get dropped off in the uh, the back hallway and we're walking in at Liberty High School and the guys who put on the tournament they they post pictures of of just great players that have played in the Les Schwab down that hallway right you could look at all mm-hmm. the Kevin Loves and all the great players that have come through that tournament it's, it's really quite cool what they do and true story I'm walking down the hall with three or four of my kids and I look over and there's a photo of Kevin Durant going up getting ready to dunk and I'm 
like looking up with my hands around his chest, getting ready to get dunked on. So um, the kid's kind of laughing me at that. And hey, there's old coach getting hammered on by Durant. But <laughs> at this point in life, I don't take uh, I don't take any uh, ill will with that. It is it's kind of a thing of pride at this point. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna get dunked on, it might as well be by Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. he's, <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, uh, how do you go about selecting your team captain? Honestly, uh, I just uh, talk to my staff, um, and I usually choose two, two to three kids. Um, I'm not a big guy who's like has to be seniors or has certain um, uh, expectations necessarily or, or uh, a test they have to complete. It's, it's it's who who the kids respect the most, who is going to buy in to what you're trying to sell and lead lead the best, and uh, who's going to be a great voice when the coaches aren't around the locker room. So I've been lucky enough to have two or three kids each year that have done a you know fairly good job. Um, I had some all-time captains last year with with Dane, Eric Strum, Finn Barkness, and Trey Hamilton. Um, and hopefully uh, we can have that continue this next year. But I, I choose captains, um, and we do that early in the year. And it's just based off of what my staff and I think. And, yeah, that's, that's how we do it. Do you give them any specific roles or responsibilities? No, it's just main main thing for me is I want it to be a kid who, in the heat of the moment, is going to keep his composure at, and, and be able to speak to the referees um, and be able to – control the other kids on the floor if something does happen. So um that's the main the main role I give our, our at least one of the captains is um that that's your job on the court, be an extension of the staff. But other than that, um no, I, I do have our, our seniors, I let them choose what color uniforms we'll wear. We do have three orange, black and white, so we'll get to choose what color, um, what type of shooting shirt they want. If they're gonna go out to dinner for a, a team dinner, we'll get to choose that. Anything that I don't really necessarily care too much about, I'll let the kids, the seniors, or the captains choose. You know, just so they have right. kind of a, a sense of pride or, or um, like they have some feel in the program. Um, mm-hmm. So th- that's that's what I, I tend to do. Right. Just great delegating, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, do you have a favorite team bonding activity that, that you guys have done or, or maybe do every year? Yeah, there's like like I said earlier, I just think the little things add up and they matter. But uh, it's gonna say one favorite thing is every summer, um, I like to go on overnight team camp, and we've gone to Oregon, we've gone to Washington. I want to go to Gonzaga here in the next few seasons. Uh, but just little traditions like doing a semicircle shooting the night before each game, half court game winners on Saturdays, having contests and trivia in practice. Every uh, winter break, we do, like, a white, el- white elephant gifts and, like, a pizza party. Um, we do um, – you know, I bring in alumni to speak to the kids every season and uh, try to bring in some cool guests to get the kids excited and motivated. We do team dinners um, each week during the Metro season. And then after Saturday morning practices, um, the kids, the varsity kids, we usually go to breakfast or maybe a, a, one of the kids will host breakfast. So – just little things like that um, to try to build team chemistry, team camaraderie. Um, 
you know, but for me, it's trying to put kids in as many competitive pressure situations in practice where they're working together to win, they're working together to, to try to complete a task. Um, and, and through that, I think you kind of bond and, and build camaraderie. And then winning helps. <laughs> yes, it always does. It always yeah, does. that always seems to help. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite drill that you guys do? Yeah, uh, I would say for me, um, you know, I do, I love shell drill. We do shell every single day and, uh, I make the kids celebrate like we just won a state championship. When I say, hey, we're going to go to shell, they all chest bump and they run around for <laughs> 10 seconds. Trying to make defense exciting and important. Um, and we do different variations of shell, but my, per, my personal favorite drill is I call it three on three screen and it's just, um, it's just three on three. You start with wing denial and the kids have one dribble to score and you're just really working on passing and screening away and being able to read screens and back cutting off the screen and snapping back to the ball and ripping through with one dribble and trying to get good shots. And then really defensively, you're just working on denying and getting up and how hard can you pressure somebody knowing that they have one dribble. Um, mm-hmm. And just, and then you can work on, you know, are you going to be in footsteps trailing and chasing the screen? You can open up and shoot a gap. Um, and so really it's, it's a screening drill. It's an offensive screening drill. We, we talk about, uh, quick to set, uh, uh, early to receive, something like that. So, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're just really trying to get the kids screening and being able to play off, play off the ball. I like it. I like it. Well, coach, I think that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for sharing the game with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, before I go, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on here. I enjoy listening to this podcast, and I think it's really cool that uh, you and, and another uh, other media outlets have, have covered Oregon high school basketball so well the last few years. So uh, keep up the good work, and uh, appreciate you allowing a, a young a young coach to come on here and, and, and chat with you. If you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Vantel, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website, or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.